Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 230 multinationals by providing them with advisory support, information assets, and consulting services that help inform and power their strategies for outperforming across their high-stakes markets. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion regarding FSG's current outlook for the Indian economy. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. Joining me for today's discussion from FSG's Asia headquarters in Singapore is Pratima Singh, FSG's practice leader for South Asia. As a reminder, this podcast and all of our India research and insights are available to FSG clients via our Frontier View platform. Pratima, thanks for joining me and welcome. Thanks very much, Rich. It's great to be here. Let's get started. Uh, Our discussion today is very timely and relevant in that Prime Minister Modi and his government just released their budget for the upcoming fiscal year, and that'll shed more light on the government's plans and priorities going forward. And the dust is only beginning to settle on the country's largest policy reform in over two decades, the goods and services tax. So I want to start at the top and begin by talking to you about our 2018 outlook for the Indian economy. Our forecast suggests that growth will recover from 6.5% in 2017 to around 7.1% this year. What's driving this? Yep. So that's actually a a great question, Rich. Um, And you're absolutely right. Uh, We are expecting the Indian economy to recover in 2018. Um, But that's also because it had a very uh, weak performance last year. Um, And so we need to actually understand what was driving the weak performance last year to be able to get a better sense of why we expect the, the economy to recover going forward. Um, so um, the negative effects, actually, of, of um, one-off policy actions like uh, the currency demonetization at the end of 2016, uh, as well as the implementation of the goods and services tax that you just mentioned, uh, were actually the main drivers behind uh, the weak performance last year. And, um, and uh, to give you some more context, as the circulation or the currency circulation improved mid-2017, uh, the economy was hit by uh, another shock, um, uh, which was the GST. And, and so this was painful for, for small and medium businesses, and, and uh, they struggled to transition to the new tax regime. And um, so as some of those short-term issues uh, sort of uh, improve and, and uh, as the teething issues of the new tax are resolved, we expect the negative issue, uh, uh, effects of these uh, policy reforms uh, to subside and, and as a result, the economy uh, to recover. So that's one. The second factor that's actually driving the recovery is uh, increased pre-election spending by the Modi administration. So India is going to hold its national elections in 2019, and quite a few state, um, states are going into election this year as well. And so what we're seeing is that the government is uh, going to increase public spending as it starts campaigning for re-election. Um, and and uh, it's important to note that the policy effects or the, uh, the negative effects are just um, sort of becoming a little bit more resolved, as well as the increased public spending is going to um, um, improve uh, our, our um, Indian economy, the growth for the Indian economy going forward. But, but it is going to be gradual. And uh, one big risk that's facing um, the economy is actually higher oil prices. 
um, because that's going to really put pressure on the government's import bill, which would limit its ability to spend um, on, on um, 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 certain sectors of the society, but also on, on um, investment. And so what's really critical at this point is for executives to actually align internally with their local teams on the ground uh, to really understand what the different drivers are for the economy and how those different drivers are feeding into their strategic plans through the assumptions that they're making. Radha, when when uh, Prime Minister Modi first came into uh, power, there was a lot of hype that uh, this was the moment that India was going to see uh, reform and, and a lot of acceleration, not only in growth, but in, uh, in investment as well. And uh, oftentimes we, we find that the hype cycle uh, tends to uh, not match the reality cycle. And I think we experienced a little bit of that over the last couple of years. Do, do we feel like those things are more in balance now and, it's, and, and it, there will be less, uh, less surprises as you will? You mentioned oil prices as a risk, but I'm curious if there are any other risks that we should be thinking mm-hmm. about. Right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And, and you're exactly right. I think when, when Prime Minister Modi was elected into, into government in 2014, there was a lot of uh, conversation around, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a boom in the economy. He's going to implement a lot of these really difficult reforms that, that are very much needed. And um, and to some degree, though, I think um, even the the pessimism, I think, or not even the pessimism, but just the the, the subdued investment um, sort of climate in India, is is um, is expected. And that's because while uh, he did not go through with all of his promises, the Modi administration did manage to implement one of the biggest tax reforms. And um, today we are seeing the effects of, of this disruption, uh, but the benefits of it are likely to come through in the medium term. And so it's very important to have realistic uh, assumptions about the Indian economy going forward. We don't expect that the Modi administration is going to implement any uh, big reforms this year. So that's kind of uh, in response to, to your question about any surprises this year he's not going to do anything because he's going to be very focused on on you know gathering popular support and that's a theme that we uh, saw in the budget um, that was recently announced as well but um, uh, we still we don't ex- we do expect certain external shocks things like oil prices that you already mentioned uh, but but also uh, sort of uh, you know just the, the shift in in uh, global growth so so it's interesting to note that uh, when uh, now that the global gro- uh, growth environment is kind of engine is picking up India is on the other hand recovering from a little bit of a trough so it's it's uh, important to note that it's competing with other economies that are doing well uh, for resources and so that could be uh, one of the challenges that the economy faces in 2018. Yeah, I want to come back to that in one moment. But before I do that, I just 7.1% or so this year is your forecast. Is your bias upwards, uh, neutral or or downwards at this point? So 7.1 is actually quite a conservative estimate. Um, um, I think um, my bias would be upwards. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, obviously as more data comes in, we will uh, have a better sense of this. But I am being a little bit pessimistic about the Indian economy going forward uh, compared to most uh, analysts. Well, so far you've been very much uh, spot on. So I think uh, we'd be wise to listen to you. But with this kind of growth, uh, you mentioned the, the competing for resources in, in, a, in an improving global growth environment. Um, however, there are very few economies of the size of India that can uh, point to growth in the seven uh, plus percent range. In fact, I can't think of any. So with this kind of growth and, and a more business uh, friendly um, policy environment, shouldn't, shouldn't clients be making India one of their highest priority markets right now? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's exactly right. I think India is one of the misunderstood markets. I think uh, a lot of times when um, uh, when the country is doing well, people have really high expectations because 7.1, like you said, is not uh, it's low growth for India, but it's very high growth relative to most other markets. Uh, but that being said, India uh, should be a priority for most market for most companies. Um, and you're right that the business landscape is improving, but it's improving gradually. So a lot of times, one mistake that um, we see executives make very often is to have unrealistic targets and unrealistic expectations for the economy. Uh, when you're doing business in India, you have to have a long-term view. Um, it becomes very important to understand strategically where are the pockets of opportunity, which states you should be uh, focusing your efforts on, where should you make your right investments. And so things like prioritizing the right states, prioritizing the right cities within states, um, how do you effectively capture all those opportunities by working with the right kind of partners, those execution issues uh, become more important and those are the things that differentiate successful companies from the not so successful companies. It's not an easy market to do business, so you need to have a solid strategy in place in order to be successful. I'll put a shameless plug in for FSG uh, with, with what you just said because I know that we've, we've done a lot of research on that subnational prioritization topic and we also have uh, data that can help inform those prioritization decisions. Okay, plug over. Um, Pratima, as uh, as expected, with the the, the announcement of the budget uh, just a few few days ago, um, the budget was drafted keeping uh, elections in mind, as you pointed out, and also on increasing popular support. So, can you give us uh, some of the key headlines from the budget, and and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, implications. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the budget, uh, as you rightly mentioned, was was um, announced last week, so on Thursday, 1st of February. And this budget is, is looking at shaping the government's priorities for the next fiscal year, which runs from 1st April 2018 all the way through 31st March 2019. So it's essentially the last full year budget that this government is able to put forward to the parliament before it goes into election. And so, as you very rightly pointed out, it's very much focused and drafted, uh, keeping um, 2019 general elections in mind. So the first thing to note is, uh, is that uh, this budget really increased the um, uh, allocation, the resource allocation for the agriculture and, and the rural economy sectors. So that kind of took center stage for um, this particular government. Um, so to give you some examples of the policies that um, they announced, uh, one was um, they fixed the minimum support price, which is kind of like a price floor for all crops um, at about 1.5 times the production cost uh, in order to basically uh, keep the promise of, of doubling farmer incomes by 2022. Um, now, what's tricky about this is that when you read the fine lines about the budget, there is a lot of ambiguity still. So things like um, they haven't really defined what production cost is, so there are different ways to actually calculate that. Um, but that being said, uh, the motivation is, is pretty clear. It's, it's, um, if it's implemented properly, it will reduce um, 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 sort of farmer income uncertainty or volatility there and really raise incomes uh, in the rural sector. So that's a plus. The second thing in, in the uh, budget is a major focus on healthcare. And this is very interesting because the government re just recently in the budget announced the National Health Protection Scheme. And it's a very ambitious program which is looking to provide 100 million families, that is 500 million individuals approximately, with an insurance coverage of about 500,000 rupees, which is the equivalent of about 7,800 US dollars per family per annum. 
So that's a huge amount. So they're looking at kind of uh, putting in the first few uh, steps or stages of a universal health coverage uh, in place in India. Now, this is a great move. It's, it's uh, wonderful because India generally has very low public expenditure on healthcare. Uh, but again, when you read the fine lines, it's important to be realistic about what can actually happen. It's a big economy. It's a bureaucratic country. Uh, and then more importantly, a lot of things like um, the, the funding of this and, and implementation of this, who will take charge, whether it's going to be states or central um, um, uh, you know, priorities, they haven't been highlighted just yet. And so it's, it's, it's a really great first step. Uh, but we're, we're kind of watching this space very closely. We're examining the details as they release. Uh, over the course of the next few months uh, before we can uh, really celebrate uh, this, this uh, really big health protection scheme. How, how do they pay for and, that, uh, just out of curiosity? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so that's the interesting thing. So they've set aside some amount, about uh, 200,000 uh, 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 crore, um, uh, aside for that as part of the health protection scheme. Um, but um, what they're looking to do, and the, the, the calculations here are a little tricky because they've assumed the premiums for this are going to be much lower than what actually the market rate is, and so they're going to increase taxes. Um, which is actually uh, something that I was coming to right now, and and also partner with state governments um, in implementing this. So it's it's going to be tricky to understand how exactly they're going to get this, um, if at all they're going to get it through in this term. And then let's talk about taxes because if uh, yeah. I, I don't think the taxes are coming on the consumer in an election year, so I suspect they're coming on on businesses and on uh, on imports. That's exactly right. Yes. So um, the GST, which basically subsumed all the other indirect taxes, um, it, it has not been touched because it's kind of going through, you know, reiterations on on how it can be tweaked and improved. So what the government has done is increased taxes uh, or import duties essentially and that's really important because this is something that in a especially in a in a um, um, uh, world where we're seeing relatively high protectionism anyway uh, especially after modi went to davos and and um, you know highlighted the importance of uh, global trade uh, what we're seeing at home is a little bit of a different story what we saw was um, that they raised import duties on several products actually to discourage imports and uh, basically to encourage local manufacturing and and push through the Make in India campaign. So some, some products are things like mobile phones, components, accessories, uh, even high-end luxury products like watches, sunglasses. But um, in, these, are, these are where they've actively raised uh, customs duties. Uh, but they've also raised a surcharge or a 10% surcharge on all imported products. So it doesn't matter what you're importing into India, importing into the country is going to become more expensive. So this is very important for our clients, especially because um, India generally is not a very big manufacturing hub, so they tend to bring in a lot of um, a lot of uh, goods um, into the market and then sell it. So it's going to really become more expensive. So do you see our clients um, potentially either starting to center more manufacturing in India or potentially acquiring their way to more manufacturing and local um, uh, capabilities there? Yeah. So 
Um, what we've seen is kind of a trend towards companies evaluating the manufacturing competitiveness in India more generally since the launch of the Make in India campaign because the government has been incentivizing uh, foreign businesses to, to um, set up um, production houses and production centers. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of that uh, already happen. And we've also been um, uh, sort of advising companies even before when, when we um, were seeing signs of the GSD being implemented that all of this is basically just coming together because the government wants to increase manufacturing output. Uh, and so we had advised a lot of companies to actually evaluate the manufacturing sector and the competitiveness of the Indian market. So we are seeing that um, becoming more of a question in, in, um, in our executives' minds. Um, and um, I think in terms of uh, whether you're choosing between acquiring companies and, and setting up shop, I think um, um, uh, more mature companies are, are thinking about acquiring some local players, but, but, the, uh, but the smaller um, companies that are just considering um, you know, partnerships and things like that, they're considering outsourcing or, or contract manufacturing as well. Okay. Um, I'm watching the time, but I have a couple of more questions if, if, if you can mm-hmm. indulge me. Uh, so when we think about the budget and uh, the impact of GST, which industries, we'll start at the industry level and then we'll drill down into specific actions, but which industries in your mind stand to benefit the most from the current policy and economic backdrop? Clearly with a huge emphasis on healthcare, I'd imagine the healthcare industry um, is one where uh, where our clients can that are in that industry can can benefit. But I'm just curious from your perspective, uh, the classic kind of I don't want to say winners and losers, but the gainers and and decliners, if you will, from the current economic and, and policy backdrop. Yeah, so that that's a good question. I think um, if if uh, you're right, healthcare would be one. Again, I'd, I'd um, uh, uh, be a little bit cautious about that because we need to understand exactly how they're going to fund this project. Uh, but healthcare is definitely a big uh, beneficiary. Um, other beneficiaries would be your FMCG companies because there's a lot of focus on on the uh, low and and uh, rural households, low income and rural households, and so FMCG companies tend to gain quite a bit as well. Um, along with industrial companies that are catering to the infrastructure sector, actually, because uh, there's a lot more of a focus on on building rural and even urban infrastructure in India, and so those are going to be your your companies that are going to gain. Those uh, industrial companies are also going to gain if there is this um, increase in manufacturing output. Although there are structural issues that need to be addressed then. So just companies that more generally companies that are importing into India, specifically tech companies, uh, they need to uh, reevaluate. Um, um, the assumptions that they're making because costs are going to go up there. Okay, no, great insight. Thank you. Um, I want to spend just a couple of minutes on the GST. Um, as you mentioned, it was implemented about eight months ago. Um, what has been the impact and, and how have companies reacted to it? Yeah. So the GST has uh, uh, was a little bit of a shock to the economy when it was implemented mid uh, mid uh, last year. Uh, but what we're seeing now is a little bit of um, uh, sort of a recovery from from the teething issues. The government has been very much um, uh, focused on listening to companies and trying to understand exactly how they can improve and tweak some things. Uh, but but um, to give you a little bit more context, I actually spent some time in India speaking with executives and uh, distributors as well on this topic. Um, a couple 
couple of uh, weeks ago. And uh, what we saw was in the short term, companies were struggling a little. They were trying to focus on, on managing the transition, specifically small and medium-sized companies. They, these are the companies and the distribution partners for, for many of our clients. They were trying to work out the new system, analyze its impact. And one thing that was uh, an issue uh, for most of them was uh, working capital. And so this was important because what happened is that following the GST, small companies and uh, companies in general had to pay a larger upfront tax payment um, than what they were paying previously. And so what used to happen is that if I was a trader buying uh, and then selling, I would actually, my costs of holding inventory would go up quite dramatically because I was uh, paying an upfront tax. And as a result, it was disincentivizing a lot of distributors from holding inventory that wasn't uh, easily, um, wasn't basically, uh, the, the cycle wasn't uh, very quick. And so as a result, there was a lot of um, sort of uncertainty around um, stock buildup and, and uh, being able to actually um, uh, sort of uh, move goods uh, through the channel. But we're seeing a little bit of that subside. Um, and, and so a lot of those that, that uh, iterations of filing taxes and claiming um, credit has improved. And so as a result, a lot of those working capital issues are also improving gradually in the economy. Uh, just on a more positive note, uh, what we are seeing is the removal of uh, state borders, and, and that's really helped the logistics sector and, and um, has really helped um, uh, companies reduce their, their costs of transport in India. Yeah, again, because that's always been an issue um, from what I've heard also from clients is, you know, uh, moving goods between states is oftentimes more complicated in India than it is in other, other countries, and by removing those or uh, lessening those complexities, it makes uh, things flow mo more smoothly. Um, and and, and Pradama, we, we have another podcast coming up on the GST and also on distribution in India. You've written uh, a number of uh, really interesting uh, studies recently, specifically on managing distributors and optimizing your distribution networks. Um, so we're really excited about that as well, and we'll look forward to uh, that in a subsequent discussion. But for now, I think we're up against time. So uh, thank you so much for the time, for the interesting discussion, um, and I look forward to hearing more from you uh, about uh, how companies can capitalize on the shifts in India's distribution landscape, uh, continuing to stay current on uh, the economic and policy environment, and how they can reshape and how our clients can reshape channel strategies uh, in response to GST and the new budget. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. On that note, I'd like to remind uh, FSG clients that you can speak to Pratima or any of the FSG analysts by scheduling time via your FSG client services director. And you can also access all of our India content, our distribution research, our capability-based channel management research, and all of our India uh, economic and geopolitical research and all content on our Frontier View platform. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your high-stakes markets, and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.